As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Game Podcast from The Times. I'm Alison Rudd. I'm back from my personal two-week stage of the tour, cycling to Wimbledon and back every day. Not quite Alpe d'Huez, but hilly. This is the penultimate World Cup show. If you want the ultimate World Cup show, you'll have to wait until next week. Joining me in the studio is Julian Leron, and down the line, all the way from Rio, is Gab Morcotti. Gab, please update us on your life in the wondrous country of Brazil. Have you eaten any marvellous food or seen any great sights since you were last on the podcast? Um, I had a couple of really nice meals up in a neighborhood called Santa Teresa, which is sort of the uh, sort of a hippie bohemian type, or is supposed to be. It's kind of like the way Camden is or or used to be in people's minds. I think. Right. Well, the top the top news from Brazil is the injury to Neymar. Uh, a little nudge in the back from Zaniga, and we have a damaged vertebrae, and the star number ten of the tournament is gone. I'm presuming in Brazil, Gab, I mean, that there's almost like a feeling that a state of mourning. Is is that still now? We're recording on Monday. Is that still the feeling? One of mourning? I mean, certainly that was the case after the, uh, after the Columbia game. You had this sort of surreal situation where everybody sort of spilled out onto the streets and was celebrating. And then as, as news spread you know, via, via Twitter, social networks, radio, that, you know, it was really bad because he was taken to hospital. And as news of the prognosis started to filter out via, via Twitter, uh, social media, radio, television, carrier pigeon, um, you could feel the entire mood uh, shifting. And now, I mean, this is, this is Monday evening, England time. Has the media and the feeling in Brazil shifted from... This is terrible news to either find a silver lining, i.e. We can, we can win it for Neymar and we can, we can play with a sense of freedom because we're now the underdogs, or is, is there a sort of panic state still? You know, Brazil have generally played like underdogs in, in this World Cup. Um, you know, Luis Felipe Scolari is not you know, the most uh, progressive manager. They've, they've just kind of focused on not, not screwing things up and waiting for Neymar to uh, uh, to, to, to deliver a win. Uh, the the tricky part now is that you know you're not just missing Neymar, you're also missing Thiago Silva, of course, who's their, their captain and you know arguably um, their best player. So you know that's a really tall order 
when uh, you know you're taking on the Germans. Yeah, Julian. I mean, the, the uh, Gab mentions Thiago Silva there. I mean, Brazil's uh, reaction to that is to beg FIFA to let him play. I mean, <laughs> presumably you were aghast at that, as I was. Well, yeah, that that won't, that won't happen anyway. Surely they can't rescind the yellow card. I mean, he committed four fouls so far in the tournament and got two yellow cards. So either it tells you a lot about how aggressive the Brazilian players have been, which is the case so far in the competition, or also how unlucky he's been. You know, two yellows for four fouls. The ratio is, is quite high. However, they will miss him almost as much as Neymar, in my opinion, a bit like what Gav was saying. He is arguably the best defender in the world. And I think David Luiz, without Thiago Silva, is not the same player at all. And he's more of a headless chicken, do you say in English? Without yeah. Thiago Silva <laughs> than with How do you say Silva. it in French, just for the record? We, we don't have it. The poulet sans tête. Ah, put I like it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think I think the loss of Thiago Silva is massive as well. Yeah, and 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 Julian, did I mean do you agree with Gab that that Brazil have been playing like underdogs from the beginning? Yeah, yeah, and I like I like Gab's uh, definition of uh, Scolari's plan. You know, it's, it's, yeah, don't screw anything up, stay, keep the shape, and then wait for Neymar to do something. It's exactly the same as Argentina. Just keep the shape up. Don't don't make any mistakes and just let Messi do the the, the talking and do something special, and um, and I think Argentina's World Cup so far and Brazil World Cup so far are actually very similar. Yeah, the big talking point uh, away from Neymar from the quarterfinals has been uh, Louis Van Gaal bringing on a specialist goalkeeper in Tim Krul to to deal with the penalties. My view is. Why hasn't this happened more, more often? I've always said at big tournaments, if I was in charge of a national side, I would have a keeper who'd spent his whole time practicing penalties and bring him on when required. But for some reason, people seem to be aghast. Gab, were you aghast? Did you think this was peculiar management or do you think it was highly sensible practice? Well, first of all, I mean, this is something people have talked about and, you know, it's it's been done before. Uh, it's not like it's never been done at this level, but... It's happened before, obviously, and uh, on multiple occasions. And Yimba, of course, won the African Champions League, um, both the semifinals and the final on penalties in 2003, I think, 2003, doing exactly that, you know, removing Vincent Inyama before the, before the penalty kick sequence. So, you know, it's not a new thing. I do think that in this case, it's not like Tim Krul's a real specialist. Um, I think it was more just something to go and mess with Costa Rica's heads. I think he had, you know, he's got two goalkeepers. I know Silas had never saved a penalty, but then he'd never really been in too many shootout situations. So I think he just kind of said, all right, I'll bring, I'll bring Krul in and, uh, and we'll see what happens. But Julian, I mean, you know, I got the impression that from what I've, I've heard coming out of Brazil, that, that Tim Krul had been planning this. He'd, been, he'd spent quite a lot of time looking at footage of penalty takers and that he was briefed that this might happen to him and that he had a particular role to play and this isn't this isn't some whim of a manager being quirky this was fine tuning to the nth degree yeah i think it was yeah it was the plan and because they they even chose not to tell citizen before the game not to and you wouldn't would you yeah, you yeah would. of course of course and you know it was that's why it was quite 
angry at coming, you know, coming off because he wanted to, to be there for the pens as well. I, I don't know. You, I, I know that in, in England you don't watch much of a handball, but it's a, it's a big sport in France and it's something that happens all the time. You bring a keeper just for a penalty. You can do as many subs as you want, so it's a bit different. But the idea is exactly the same. You've got one keeper that is specialised in, in saving penalty. And, and, and in handball, he comes on every time there's a pen and then comes out straight away to bring back the number one goalkeeper for the rest of the game and, and on and off, on and off for, for pens. And I, and I think that it's, it's a very good idea for football as well. And in handball, Julian, when they do that, is it part of their role to mm, mind games, yeah. to, point, to point at their head and pretend that they know exactly what's going to happen, the way that Tim Krul was quite clearly trying to get under the skin of... Yeah, a bit. And, you know, the, not, not that Costa Rica had, had many shots at, at Citizen during the game, but it's also that, you, you know, those, those players have been used to have one goalkeeper in front of them during the whole 120 minutes. And then suddenly they've got someone else in front of them who, who is right into their faces, talks, says he knows where they're going to shoot, that he studied everything, blah, blah. And I think it's very unsettling and it's exactly what, what happens. Come on, he didn't, he didn't really study everything. This whole... You know, of course, it was planned in the sense that it was an option to him if he started a sub left uh, at this stage of the game, and you know, and in that sense, it was a psychological ploy. But this idea that you know, oh, but he was prepared; he'd study these penalty takers. We need to remember is that in a penalty shootout situation, you know, there simply isn't a large sample size that you can study people's tendencies. I mean, I agree with you in that sense. You, uh, Tim Krul wasn't going to be some sort of automaton, who'd, 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 who'd like a computer program who could who could cope with anything put to him because it's all he'd studied. But I think, you know, Costa Rica, they, the, the players who went up, if they were in any way believing that Tim Krul might have studied their previous shootout, if they, if they believed that this was some very clever twist... That's all that matters. It doesn't matter whether Tim Krul had ever watched them at all before. All that matters is that they believed it. Yeah, all that matters is that Hollander threw. Um, you know, a better question might have been, why did it take so long for them to beat Costa Rica? Probably because this is not a very good Dutch side, but it's a side where Funhouse squeezing as much as he can out of a really average to mediocre uh, group of players with a couple exceptions. But also, you know, look at the, look at the downside you know, you bring on, you know, Sillison had never saved a penalty. You bring on Cruel, you know, you lose. Nobody's going to go and blame you for making a, a change in the penalties. And even if they do go and blame Van Howe, what does he care? He's going to go manage at Old Trafford <laughs> in the biggest club in the world. I'm Alison Rudd and you're listening to the Game World Cup podcast from The Times. It's the Panini sticker of the week. Who, if you had a completely empty album and you opened it and there was just one face staring out, who after the past week's worth of football, would you want that person to be? For me, it would be Mats Hummels. I like a defender with an aura who doesn't seem to put too much into it, doesn't rely on athleticism, but is in the right place at the right time. And, of course, he scored the crucial goal against France, which allows me to say, Julian, have you say, have your say. Mine is Keylor Navas, the Costa Rica goalkeeper. Despite them you know, losing to, to Holland, I just think... He, he was he was probably the best goalkeeper for me of the competition. For someone who played for for Levante and and you know, Gab probably and, and a few other people I've seen him play last season, but but not many people knew him before the tournament. And I think that's what World Cup do. They reveal players like him, who have great potential, great talent, but 
sometimes don't play in, in the biggest clubs in, in, in the world or in Europe at least. And he's got no doubt a great future ahead of him in a much bigger club than, than Levante, I think. And that's why I give him my uh, Panini player of the week. I'm sure he'll be delighted to hear it. I hope so. Gab, who's your Panini sticker player? Mine is Lionel Messi because he's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, we're laughing, but we're not really arguing. Now, in, uh, generally, the feeling from the World Cup, one of the, it's not really a side issue, it's a crucial issue, but it's the quality of refereeing, or rather, what is it referees have been told to do? Uh, I think officially they've Alison, been told. Yeah. No, 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 I know you're going to say it's not all about referees. Always, always bring no, it back Alison, to you're referees. always talking about <laughs> referees. You're always so anti-referee. Seriously, can you ever put yourself in their shoes? That's what I'm trying to do. It's very difficult. If you've spent a season doing referee in a particular way and you go to the World Cup, which is a big moment as a referee as well as it being the player's big moment, and you have a, a meeting and you're told, hey, chaps, chaps, can you keep the cards in the pocket, please, and make it all about the football? And the upshot of that is what I consider to be the only bad game of the World Cup so far, which was Brazil, Colombia. I found it completely, com- totally unenjoyable. I, if I could have turned off without feeling guilty about it, I might have done. It was, it, it was appalling. It wasn't even football. It was this awful stop, 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 because the referee was giving every possible free kick he could give, but not bringing out any cards. So every single player who f- knew, they knew they could stop any attack by just a, some sort of niggly, nasty foul and knew they weren't going to get punished. So there was just no football in that game. It was For most of it, it was it was pretty revolting stuff. I know that's a harsh word, but I didn't enjoy it at all. Gab, do you not agree that the, the refereeing has created this slightly bizarre twist to some of the games? I think the, the, I mean, the general directive that um, FIFA gives several directives to referees, a lot of them have to do with things like the diagonal movement and staying ahead of the play rather than behind the play. And there you get into all complicated, nerdy referee stuff, which... Most people probably don't enjoy, but which I'm sure Allison and Howard uh, absolutely <laughs> love. Um, but one of the big things is they said they said, and this has been a push. You know, this isn't a new thing. This is something UEFA have been pushing. So the Premier League have been pushing, saying like, look, you don't telling referees you don't need cards to keep control. Try to do it through dialogue with the players. Try it through. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Body language, facial expressions, all this stuff. Plenty of statistical evidence that shows that the fewer the cards out there, the more the goals. And we have had more goals and fewer cards. And the officiating's generally, with a few exceptions, been, been pretty good. And we haven't had nasty matches and mass brawls. The problem that they ran into in this game is they took a guy like uh, Velasco, who's a very good referee, uh, tactically, in terms of he's very good at seeing what actually happens. But he is not a referee who, who really manages games well. He doesn't go and, and dialogue uh, if you compare him with the referee in the Argentina-Belgium game, who was basically spent half the time yakking with the players, he did the opposite. Um, he is a referee who, who keeps control and discipline by issuing cards, by issuing a lot of cards, actually. And in this specific game, he didn't do that. Julian, did you did you find that game uncomfortable to watch? Yeah, it was, it was yeah, especially for James Rodriguez's calves and legs and ankles and, and all of that. I mean, you know, how, how Fernandino didn't get a yellow card, at least, is still beyond me. I understand the, that the idea of not giving too many yellows and trying to control the game without giving cards, but, you know, cards is a sanction. If the player, player deserves a, a yellow card, then he, he deserves, deserves one and the ref has to give one. Whether that's controlling the game or not controlling the game, well, that, that can spark, you know, brawl or whatever, or the player's not happy, I don't care, you know, the... I, I don't like this idea of try have a game without yellow cards. If if a player needs one, he, he deserves it, and then you need to give it. Well, but Allison, you, you're you're the qualified referee here. They're not saying don't use your cards. They're saying you know only use cards when necessary. Try to maintain discipline in other ways. Isn't that what very good referees are are, are supposed to do? Let the game flow. Let it play. Keep it fair, and and only use cards as a as a last resort. Isn't that what you're taught? Yeah, but you're also taught that in every game has a different vibe and you have to decide pretty quickly as the official whether it's the sort of match that's going to benefit from you being seen as a disciplinarian early on and slapping a few cards out early. If you're a good referee, you will have interpreted the match correctly and that will work. You will then find the game flows because the players realise you're not going to fall for them you know fouling just enough bad enough to stop the game but not bad enough to get the card and if you keep pushing and pushing and pushing the back it's like parenting you know if you're not firm straight away the kids will push and push they need boundaries and footballers need boundaries and there were no boundaries in the brazil Colombia game time for the roger miller moment of the week roger miller moment of the week is an unexpected moment of the week in the same way that the emergence of roger miller is a a stunning talent at the Italian 90 World Cup took everyone by surprise. I found unexpected is that I just know when we come to do our team of the tournament, which we might do next week, producer, might we? Yeah, when we come to do our players, I know I'm. it'll be the first time ever, whenever doing a list, that, the, that I will want more than one goalkeeper in my team. It has been a World Cup of amazing goalkeeping, uh, fascinating goalkeeping, all different types of goalkeepers, and I won't know 
who to pick. And so my Roger Miller moment of the week is, is that there's only one goalkeeper I have criticised, and that's uh, Stipe Pletikosa of Croatia, who let his team down quite badly. But otherwise, he's the only goalkeeper who's made a few errors, and you could have say, oh, he should have, should have done better there. Every, every other goalkeeper, I think, has just played out of their skin. It's really interesting you make that point about goalkeepers because I would have said that actually Igor Akinfeyev, who cost your pal Fabio Capello place in the second round, was awful. Uh, Iker Casillas was very poor as well. I want this Um But interestingly, our, 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 our cousins at the Wall Street Journal uh, have a fascinating thing where um, they, they sat down with uh, Jorge Campos and he actually made the point that, that this has been the World Cup of very good referee, a very good goalkeeping, and very bad goalkeeping. And he highlighted something like 45 goals in this World Cup that a goalkeeper should have kept out, or that at least he would have kept out. But anyway, if you're asking me the best goalkeeper in the tournament uh, thus far, and I hope it changes after he lets in um, four or five goals against Brazil, uh, is Manuel Neuer. Yeah, no, I well, I'd want him in my team as well. But what's away from goalkeeping? What's been your startling revelation of the week yeah? perhaps unimaginatively but um, uh, is the fact that Costa Rica managed to hang in there for so long against Holland I know Holland hit the woodwork and whatnot but the fact that Holland remain in this tournament I, I think is just is just incredible when you look at you know the the, the complete and utter lack of uh, <laughs> of ability Julian, your Miller moment, please. My Miller moment of the week is to see Martin De Michelis actually playing at the World Cup. The Martin De Michelis that we've seen all season giving away stupid penalties and making mistakes for Manchester City played in the World Cup quarterfinal and probably playing the semi-final and probably playing the final if they reach it. 33, he hadn't played for Argentina for three years. Even he was surprised to be in the list of 30 before the World Cup, even more in the 23. And now he's playing. It's incredible. Yeah, I agree. He did look kind of pleased to be there, didn't he? He <laughs> <laughs> was just like crazy. I'm Alison Rudd and you're listening to the Game World Cup podcast from The Times. Right, we've got, we've got Julian in the studio and he, he doesn't want to, but he's going to have to. What, I mean, what is the autopsy on the French defeat to Germany, Julian? It's still positive overall. Really? You know, yeah, it, okay. was a, it was a good World Cup. Not that we've played and, and beaten many amazing teams and amazing players. However, compared to four years ago and two years ago at the Euros, it was still a, a progress. You know, Deschamps and the players, I think, did a good job. They were a bit nervous, I think, against Germany. The lack of experience was quite obvious. There was... Uh, the, the the starting eleven for Germany had played seventy five more World Cup games than the starting eleven for France before kickoff, which I think is is massive. Is the biggest gap ever between two teams at the World Cup in terms of experience, and I, and I think you you saw that through the game. However, they, they gave it a go. The, there's still a lot a lot to learn from from this World Cup. A lot of positives as well. Taking the team to to 2016 and the Euros in France, where I think we'll be contenders. What were the the sort of headlines the next day in in France? He was um, b- because the, the 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 baccalaureate, which is the, the French A levels, just finished, and the the, the result where that l'équipe went for out, but with a with a good mention because in France when you do your A levels, if you reach certain notes out of twenty, you get different mentions. So it's very good, good. Okay and and or nothing basically. So that was that was the idea behind for l'équipe. Uh, for the Parisian newspaper, we said thank you despite the the defeats. 
And overall, it was it was still quite positive. I think you know, don't forget where we came from four years ago, and there was still a lot of good things through this tournament. It's a very young team with Varane and Pogba and Griezmann, kids like that, who will learn a lot from it. And uh, and I think yeah, overall, it's it's good. The momentum will will carry hopefully for 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 2016. And yeah, we we're quite happy. I'm surprised. Was there not a lot of pain because it was Germany? There was. There will always be. And there was that feeling before I felt in France that we sort of knew it would end up like that anyway. I don't think anyone really believed that this time would be different. Mostly, I think, because of what happened in the past and 82 and 86, but also because it was too early. This game came too early for us, for the team, I think. We were not ready. They were much more ready than us. and, And I think that was the difference. Gab, Germany, Brazil, first of all. Can you sort of briefly bullet point what the key points for that final are, that semi-final are for us? One of the big things for uh, Jürgen Löw is do I restore uh, Philipp Lahm to to midfield, which is where he played in in the group stage. And that means putting Per Mertesacker in central defence and perhaps having a a slightly clunkier um, back four. You know, uh, uh, a guy who can can really dictate the tempo in, in midfield. Or do I leave him at right back, move Jerome Boateng inside alongside Matt Hummels so Hummels is a lot more comfortable and uh, be per Mertesacker to prop up the bench? I don't quite know what he's going to do against uh, a Brazil without Neymar. You know, you might think that maybe you could go with the four center backs. From Brazil's perspective, I think uh, the key is, do you replace Neymar with another attacking player or do you replace him with another one of the goons in midfield? <laughs> And a very brief, in a nutshell, Argentina, Holland, what's the crucial thing, Julian? Oh, the crucial thing is, like I've said, I think this Holland team likes a lot of quality. However, they, they, you know, they're probably good enough to try to keep Messi quiet. And again, that would be the key. If they keep Messi quiet, they will do quite a lot of the job. Di Maria is out, which is a massive blow. Aguero could come back, but he wouldn't be 100% fit anyway. So it's a weakened Argentinian sides overall however they still have far too much quality especially in, in the way they play unless Van Gaal comes out with some sort of special tactical plan which he is able to do obviously and try to prevent them from playing which is probably the idea and try to hit them on the counter with, with Schneider, Robin and Van Persie I think Van Gaal will probably make three substitutions before the 17th minute and completely do the nut of Argentina <laughs> with some sort of tactical cleverness Gab, before we go is there Anything happening other than Neymar blubbing in Brazil that we should know about? Well, it's a funny story with a Dutch. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a funny story with a duck. Okay, yeah, go on. <laughs> no, so most normal countries, um, when, when they go to a World Cup, uh, FIFA have a list of possible training camps or they can go and, and, and pick their own or even build their own in uh, Germany's case. Um, and, and generally, these are places, you know, in the countryside outside of cities uh, where, you know, there's a peace and quiet country hotel, playing fields and so on. Holland, of course, has to be different. So they decided they want to train right in right in the, in the middle of, uh, of, of the south zone of Rio, sandwiched in between Copacabana, Ipanema and Leblon is this area where is Flamengo's old training ground. They decide, no, we're going to train here. And that means and we're going to stay at a hotel in Ipanema right on the beach, which is, you know, a place that's filled with tourists and, and so on. Now, nobody was expecting that. And as a result, what's happened is because this is really a, a tourist hotel, it's not, you know, a training camp hotel, they were only able to book that hotel 
through to the end of the quarterfinal stage. And um, now they have to leave their hotel. So now it's going to be taken over by uh, sponsors, FIFA types, and the sort of corporates, the sort of people who, who fly in for big events. And, you know, they're all crying and moaning and, and talking about, see, look, they're putting the sponsors ahead of the players. But in the reality is, if they hadn't decided to be so so weird and unconventional <laughs> and so Dutch and saying, like, no, let's go and stay in the beach amidst all the tourists, um, you know, they wouldn't have had this, uh, this problem. And obviously they knew ahead of time that uh, they were facing this. And uh, besides, there's a bazillion uh, vacated training camps from all the teams that have gone home that, you know, they... They could have uh, gone and used. Heck, they could have moved to the to the England, England Hotel yeah. in, uh, <laughs> in Takanrado, which, of course, uh, you know, is available. Indeed it is. Thank you for listening to the Game Podcast from The Times. Many, many thanks to my guests, Julian Laron and Gab Marcotti. Make sure you press that subscribe button on iTunes so you don't miss out anymore. Next week's show is the last in our World Cup series. It's the ultimate one, actually. Read all the latest news from Brazil from The Times online and in print. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Tim Montgomery, the presenter of another Times podcast from the opinion pages called Did You Read? It's the perfect weekly snapshot of some of the best writing in the newspaper. Find out more by heading to thetimes.co.uk slash comment central and search Did You Read? to subscribe on iTunes. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details.